Well, Sean, welcome to Go For Side Effects. And y'all, I'm your host, Kevin Simon. This is Sean Lowry. And this is the Sir Veteran Guy, as <laughs> I know him on TikTok. He is an Afghan vet, veteran. And I want, I'm going to let him introduce himself, what branch he was in, the years. And there's a reason why I'm bringing him on this evening, because I think everybody needs to hear his story. Go ahead, Sean. Hey, what's going on, man? First of all, thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. Um, I love what you do. So, you know, anybody that's helping veterans, the big, you know, what we go by is veterans helping veterans. So um, thank you for what you do. Um, so, yeah, my name's Sean Laurie, uh, combat veteran. Um, spent, uh, I went in the Army, spent uh, from 2004 to 2012. Um, those are my military years. And uh, did, well, it was nine years total in the National Guard and five years total active duty time. And so from 04 to 2012 is my service date. Okay. Well, one of the reasons I got in contact with Sean, everybody, and this is to me is the most important thing. I don't know a whole lot about PTSD. I'm sure I've had forms of it, but once I got out, I went straight into counseling and everything. But we're going to get into Sean's book after a while and his podcast. I think everybody needs to either get the book and listen to the podcast, but I want them to understand who you are and what you've been through. That's great, man. Um, so, I mean, I mean, you just, I can just start, you know, talking about my service, uh, talking about what I've done. Um, so to back up a little bit, my dad was in the military. He did 22 years in the army. He did four years in the Marines. And so, and his mama and his brother and our uncle. So I come from a big military family. Um, and actually one of the funny things is I've noticed is people that, that come from a military family as children, we really don't look at that as big of a deal as a lot of other people do because we're used to it, right? We live in bases, we, we, we're just military brats. Um, so most of my life, I didn't ever think about going in the military. Um, and it surprised you that I was actually 24 years old when I went to basic training where all these other guys were 18, 19, 20. I was actually 24. Uh, we did have a 30 year old in there. Uh, I think he was re-enlisting or whatever, but, uh, so yeah, I went and I signed up, uh, well, actually this was 2003. I was watching the war in Iraq. This, uh, we were living in Germany during the Gulf war. I was about, I think I was like 11 or 12 years old during the Gulf war. Uh, I remember watching, you know, my dad packing his bags. He's ready to go. We were living in Germany. And, you know, that was the first conflict that I remember being a child. And so, um, you know, the war was going on and it seemed like it was over instantly. <laughs> and uh, my dad was all pissed off because he didn't, because right before he's getting ready to deploy, they uh, shut down the orders or whatever. So we lived in Germany, uh, came back to the States and, um, you know, I was growing up, whatever, 18, 19, 20 years old, living my life. And then the Iraq war popped off and uh, I started watching the Iraq war on TV and everybody was watching it. You know, we had 9-11, 9-11 happened. And then, you know, the, all the war in Iraq. And uh, I just kept saying to myself, wow, I really want to be part of this. I want to do this, man. Like I want to do something, you know, I want to serve my country. And uh, I'm 23 years old, just getting through a divorce, uh, already got a couple kids and uh, life really wasn't going nowhere. So I decided to join. I decided to join. I became a combat engineer. The recruiter was like, hey, you like to blow stuff up? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, combat, <laughs> you know, combat engineer, you're going to get to blow stuff up, you know? So I was like, okay, let's do it. Um, joined 2004, went to uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, 
uh, spent my time there, went through a program called OSIT, which is like basic training and AIT together. So I was there the whole time, uh, graduated, came back, got to my unit, and uh, was only in there probably about a year, year and a half before they already started talking about deploying us. And at the time, they were saying we were going to go to Iraq, and I was all pumped up, man. I was like, wow, I'm going to Iraq. This is going to be crazy. Um, and then six months before we were getting ready to deploy, they came back and said they changed the orders that we were going to go to Afghanistan. And so we were all like, what's in Afghanistan, right? Well, like, what's going on over there? Nobody knew. And uh, But obviously, it was a lot going on. So my first deployment was in 2007 got to Afghanistan, they actually put me in a filler position. I don't know if you ever, if you know what that is, but that's where you go when you, I'm a combat engineer, but they, they needed me as another job to fill. Oh, so yeah. they put me in an 88 Mike job, which was a truck driver. And so I'm doing logistics now and I've never drove a big truck in my life. I'm driving this five, this, this five ton across the country. Um, it was a fun job, but I was also getting the gun the whole time too. So, you know, I get to go driving and then I'd gun, drive and then gun. Um, so did my tour in 07 and 08, um, wasn't a bad tour. Um, it, there were things that happened, you know, the first week we were there, we ended up, you know, having suicide bombers hit our convoy. Uh, we had a lot of mortars. We had a lot of crazy stuff going on, man. And it was just tough, but, uh, I ended up leaving a little bit early on that tour because my wife was, was pregnant and she started, she was having our baby. And my new wife, <laughs> my new wife was pregnant and she was having our first son together and he was having all kinds of health issues and his shoulders were all messed up. I don't know. He was really messed up. And so they, it was like, we only had a couple of weeks left. So there was like an emergency leave. And so I came home and, and I was like, okay, this is all good living my life. And then the next year, like not even, not even a year, about eight months later, they are, they come up to me again and say, Hey, you want to go back? I'm like, let's do it. So, you know, let's go back. And this time I'm going as a combat engineer. I'm not going as a filler. I'm doing my job. So I'm actually going in as a combat engineer. We go do our training. This is coming up on 2010. And, um, you know, it was scary, man. They were telling us all kinds of stuff. We were going to be route clearance and we were going to do husky driving. And we were going to, you know, we were going to dig up IEDs and, and, and just telling us how we were going to lose, you know, lose people. And it was guaranteed. And it was just really scary before we even got there. Um, so when I finally got to Afghanistan, man, in 2010, um, yeah, we were route clearance. I was the Husky driver. It was my job to lead the convoy and find the IEDs in the road. And, um, we, I actually found there was a ward right there. I actually got that RCOM for finding our, our first IED on our route, uh, saved, saved a lot of lives that day. It was, it was, it was wow. a, a good feeling. Um, I've also missed some, I've missed one. Uh, I dealt with that for a very long time. If anybody understands what that's like, I, uh, I missed a, I missed an IED and it ended up hitting our guys and we was like an 800 pounder and it ended up, uh, it ended up hurting a lot of guys. Um, and I've dealt with that for a long time and we can get into that in a little bit, but yeah. that was just something that I, I, that happened. And, uh, you know, a typical combat zone, man, you know, uh, being hit by IEDs, firefights, mortars. It was just, it was, when you talk about a combat tour, that's, that's what we were in. We were in it. And, um, so that went on, uh, again, we were going, I was about month nine this time. I was going in about my 10th month and, uh, something that I didn't tell you guys when I was actually training to go to this, to go to Afghanistan this time, um, I ended up falling down doing some training and I ended up busting up my leg. 
and I didn't realize how serious it was. And I knew it hurt really bad, but I just, I didn't care. I did, I was going. And so I didn't tell the doctors anything. So here we are at about month 10 and 11. And um, I jump off one of the MRAPs on a dismount mission. And uh, I fall down into this huge ditch because we're in the mountains. Yeah. I don't know if, if, if you're in Afghanistan, there's nothing but mountains. And so we jump off of this MRAP and I fall into this ditch on this cliff. And uh, I just bust my whole leg up and, and I didn't know what was going on. Uh, my whole neck, my knee swole up like the size of a melon. It was, it was pretty bad. So they got me back to the base later on that evening. We talked to some medics. They looked at my leg and they were just feeding me Percocets, man. They were like, here, eat this, eat this, man. And so I started eating them up and I was like, wow, I feel great. <laughs> you know, and um, this is during tour. Like I only got a couple months left. And so, uh, while this is going on, you know, they pull me off mission. They're like, Hey, we want you to do guard tower. We want you just to hang out for the next couple months. And then you come home with your guys and it's whatever. I was like, okay, cool. I ended up walking to the chow hall one day. I went on a mission and I went, uh, I just rode with them and I went on a mission to guard Ed's and uh, we were walking to the chow hall. And if you've everybody ever been to Iraq or Afghanistan, they have these, these big old white rocks. You know, they have these big old white rocks all over the base, you know, the, you know, cause it's muddy and dirty right. and all that. And uh, I ended up tripping on one of the rocks because come find out I didn't have an ACL or a meniscus. Both of them were completely damaged. And so every little twist and turn, I would fall down and my leg would be in agony. Well, I fell down in front of the commander and the commander saw me and he walks up to me and he's like, hey, bro. Well, not bro, but he's like, hey, hey, uh, you know, specialist, come here. And I'm like, what's up? He's like, um, I need you to come to the office after chow. He's like, I need to talk to you. And I was like, he's basically come see me after chow. I was like, yes, sir. Went and seen him. He's like, look, we got a couple months left. You know, we're in the winter days. We're not going to have that much going on. He's like, once you go, um, once you go to guitar, figure out what's going on with your leg and come back. So that's what I did. I went to guitar, stayed there for a couple of weeks. It was amazing, by the way. Air Force bases are great. I love it. I was in heaven. I, I knew then that I should have went Air Force. But um, <laughs> they had a swimming pool. They had three beers a day. Like, it was heaven, dude. It was heaven. Uh, it pisses and, you uh, off. That's what it does. <laughs> yeah, it does piss me off. It actually did. But I was, I was, I was in heaven, dude. Um, I kind of knew something was wrong with me at that time because they made me give up my weapon and I started feeling really weird. Like I don't have my weapon on me. I'm already feeling very shaky. Like there's some little signs that I was not exactly right. Um, but anyways, they, that's when they took the MRI and they find out and the lady said, I'm not supposed to tell you this. She says, but you have a complete tear of your ACL and your meniscus mm. is, is barely there too. I'm like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? She's like, you're going to have to have surgery. You're going to have to have um, construct, uh, reconstructive surgery. And I'm like, oh wow, this is not what I want to hear. So anyways, I go back to the unit, finally go back to Afghanistan. I talked to the commander. He's like, so what do you want to do? I said, well, we only got a few months. Let me stay. Um, and so I stay for a little bit. And then he comes back to me. He's like, look, man, we're getting ready to get out of here. He's like, go ahead and go, you know, go ahead and go home, get your surgery and then get ready for the next tour. I'm like, sweet, you know, we're going to Kosovo next, so I'm ready. Uh, so that's the, that's the military story, man. Like, I have so many different gaps of my life. Like, right. that's the military story. Like, I, I, I leave country uh, on my second tour, and I'm, and I'm headed to Fort Gordon, Georgia now. And this is in 2011. Um, yeah, 10 and 11. So this is 2011, and I'm coming to Fort Gordon to have surgery done. And the whole plan is just to have surgery 
get back to my unit, merry life. <laughs> um, so uh, I get to uh, I get to Fort Gordon. Uh, you know, they talk to the doctors. They ask me, "Hey, what kind of medicine do you want?" I said, "Hey, I've been taking Percocets." They're like, "Here, have more." I'm like, "Okay, great. That's what I need. I'm in pain, right?" So they start feeding me Percocets. Um, I'm taking them daily. I'm taking them. I'm really at this point. I'm already kind of abusing them. I'm not gonna lie. I was already abusing right. them because it, it was just. I was already pissed off that I was home. I was already pissed off that I was hurt. I was already pissed off that I, that I, you know, the whole point that I'm here, I'm just pissed off the way things are going. Right. And uh, I'm like, I want to get my surgery. I just want to go back to my guys. I just want to go back to my unit. Let's just get this going. And I'm telling the doctors this stuff. And they're like, relax, relax. We'll get you done. We'll take care of you. Cool. They're slick. They start putting us in the, they start sending me to different, you know, I'm in a medical holds unit. It's called WTU. It's called the Wounded Transition Unit. And so this is a whole unit of people from Iraq, people from Afghanistan that are, that have been blowed up, been hurt, been injured, kind of like Walter Reed is what it was. Yeah. And so, but this was in Fort Gordon, Georgia. And so we were all in a, a active duty unit. We were all had, you know, formations, like it was a whole real deal. You just had to do doctor appointments all day. And um, that's what I was doing. I was going to see doctors and they were like, hey, you need to go see a psychiatrist. You need to go see this. You need to go see that. Well, for a couple of weeks there, I just kept telling the doctors like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Right. Let's get me out of here. Ended up doing the surgery in February. Um, had the surgery done. I'm, all I'm asking is when am I going to get out of here? When am I going to get out of here? When am I going to get out of here? And at the same time, dude, I'm just popping, I'm popping pills and I'm just, you know, they're giving me anxiety medicine because they know I'm all shaky. So now I'm taking Xanaxes every day. I'm taking, you know, I'm taking the Percocets and now they're saying, hey, can, are you having trouble sleeping? Yeah, I'm having trouble sleeping. Well, here's a sleeping pill. Hey, are you having depression? Yeah, I'm a little depressed because I'm ready to go home. And they're like, well, here, take this pill. Are you having, you know, before long, bro, the long story short is I was taking over 16 different medications within that first six months of being in Fort Gordon. Holy so, crap. Yeah, 16 different medications, all the way from psychosis medicines to depression to anxiety to everything. And the only thing that made me feel great was taking uh, the painkillers and then and then the Xanax because it just it just gave me a, a, a euphoria. It made me feel good about myself. So anyways, that was going on for a while, dude. I started telling the doctors, you know, because I'm already messed up in the head and I'm telling the doctors, yeah, I'm having some dreams. Oh, really? You know, really doing this whole, oh, okay. So you're having nightmares and you're da-da-da-da. And, and how do you feel, you know, walking around without your weapon and, and what's going through, you know, evaluating me this entire time. They finally come back to me and they're like, look, man, I'm going to be real with you. You got major PTSD. You got major PTSD. You got major depression. Your anxiety is off the charts. You know, um, all this stuff. Like uh, you have uh, schizophrenic disorder. I have all these problems that the doctors are coming up with. And so at this point, I'm like, this is stupid. Like, what are you talking about? And so we're just fighting on. Long story short, dude, I ended up being there for two years. Two years from, I was supposed to get out of there in a couple of weeks. I ended up staying for two years. Damn. Because they ended up saying that, they, that I was no longer fit for duty. I was no longer fit for duty because of the PTSD, because of surgery and, and all this other stuff, uh, all my depression, too much medical problems for me to stay in my unit. So they ended up uh, telling me that I needed to just go ahead and med board out and, oh, it'll be great. Uh, it'll be great specialist. 
you'll you'll get out of the military, you'll be with the VA, you'll get your benefits, you'll get paid, it would be great, man. I'm listen, this is the best choice. They talked me into all that stuff, man. And I was like, I finally just agreed to it. I was like, okay, fine. I'll just get out, I'll get my benefits and I'll live my life. Yeah, that was the plan. And um, so that's the other part of the story, man. And I ended up getting there all the way to 2012. And uh, at this point, dude, for two years, I'm not gonna lie, I've been abusing painkillers. I've been abusing uh, uh, Xanaxes. I OD three times while I was on the base. Um, too scared to call the sergeant to let him know that I did because they, they already threatened us that if anybody in the base was to, you know, do anything stupid, like take too many drugs or anything, they were going to, you know, article 15 us or they were going to kick us out of the military. And at this point, I knew I couldn't lose my job. Like, this is the only income that my family has. Like, that's going through my head. What am I going to what am I going to do now when I get out of the military? I'm supposed to be a lifer. You know, I'm going on 10 years. And what am I going to do? And but I was an addict, bro. I was just popping pills and snorting them. I was eating probably about 180 milligrams a day of Percocet and Roxy's and Oxycontin. And I was actually chewing on about 300 milligrams of fentanyl patches. Um, so I was chewing on all that stuff, man. I was literally killing myself. I was so depressed and so down at this point that I just didn't care anymore. They ended up sending me home, got to the VA and they said, uh, as soon as I walked in the VA, they said, well, oh, look at your medicines. They saw the whole list of medicines. And the only two they were concerned about was the Percocet and the Xanax. And they said, okay, well, we can't give you neither one of those anymore. And I looked at her and I said, well, ma'am, to be fair, I've been on these medicines now for two years. How can you take me off of them? Like, <laughs> like I've been mm -hmm. taking these narcotics for two years. Well, I'm sorry. We just can't give it to you no more because the, the Percocets and the Xanax mixing together is going to kill you and da, 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 da. And I'm thinking in my mind, if you just knew how many milligrams I've already taken and I haven't died, like, come on, you know? Yeah, but, um, you'll be all right, you know? You know, right. that, that's what you're thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going to be all right, man. Like, whatever. Like, just give me my meds. <laughs> and uh, so she gives me a choice. She's like, okay, well, either you can take, she takes me off Xanax. She's like, I can give you Ativan, which is another form of a Xanax, or, but it's just a lot, it's a lot less. Or you can have your pain medicine and not have your anxiety medicine. Well, I'll be real with you, man. My anxiety was so bad. And I was having panic attacks at least 10 times a day. That's how bad I was I literally having panic attacks. And um, I knew that I needed my anxiety medicine. If I didn't have my anxiety medicine, I would freak out. I would do something stupid. I'd hyperventilate. I'd go into a, an attack. So I'm like, I need my anxiety medicine. Forget it. I'll just, I'll just. I'll find a way to get my medicine. I'll find a way to get my pain medicine. I'm not going to stress that too much. Not knowing that I was actually being sick for not taking it. So I finally get home, dude. Uh, you know, me and the wife, we're doing all right for a little bit. Um, but she's starting to notice that money's going missing. She's starting to notice that I'm spending a lot more of the money and she's wondering where it's going. And it's me, man. I'm running around the streets buying drugs every day. I'm buying painkillers because I can't get them from my doctor. And so, you know, I'm, I'm living off of these painkillers because, first of all, it's making me feel great, but it's also because it just feels like this is, this is my new life. Like, I need these, like, I'm thinking I need this to survive. And um, so on top of struggling with my depression, struggling with my PTSD and all the nightmares and everything I'm going through, now I'm a full-blown drug addict. Um, and it's just terrible. So that goes on all the way up to 2016. I just, I, I'm destroying everything in my life, um, spending all our money, uh, running around doing crazy stuff. I ended up going to jail 
because I ended up freaking out. I ended up uh, doing some pretty crazy stuff. I was threatening my family. I threatened my wife. I, I threatened our kids. I did all kinds of stuff, man. And, and I blacked out from it. They gave that's, me ambient. Yeah. That, that's what a lot of vets go through. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. You know, when I was in, they did not believe at all in giving you pain medicine. I mean, hell, I had four wisdom teeth pulled and they didn't, they didn't even numb me. They yanked them suckers out, gave me a Tylenol, told me to get my ass back to work. You know, and, you know, to hear this, you know, it, it's... it's. Well, you got to remember now, I'm, on, I'm in, I'm in a, a medical unit where right. everybody's messed up. You know what I mean? So right. the doctors are doing nothing but scribing meds to all these guys that are shot, blowed up, injured. And that's injuries. true. So I'm in a medical unit. So these doctors are just just throwing medicine at us. Wow. So yeah, it was it was gold for people that loved it. And uh, you know, I was buying medicine from other from other soldiers, like buying their medicine and and trading my medicine for more medicine. Like, dude, it was crazy. We were almost kingpins on Fort Gordon, dude. We were selling so many drugs, it was just crazy, man. We had a whole clique of us that were just drug addicts and selling and buying and selling and buying just to stay high. Um, I can remember going to formation so messed up that I was actually falling over in formation. And one of my uh, first, or one of our platoon sergeants walked up to me. He's like, come see me. <laughs> you know, like I, I was just screwing up, man. And I, I just didn't care anymore. I didn't have the, I didn't have that passion anymore. I was just like, whatever. I'm not in the army. I, I, I'm not doing this anymore. Who cares? Like, what do I have to live for? Not thinking about my wife and kids, right. you know, it's just because at the time you just don't think about that. Um, so I made it to 2016. And uh, at this time, uh, I'm trying to do better. My wife comes up to me. And she's like, look, I can't take this no more. You need to go to rehab. You need to go get yourself fixed. You need to do something because I can't live this way. anymore." Okay, cool. I'll do it for you. So I go to rehab. I spend 30 days in rehab. I come home. I'm clean for two weeks. <laughs> I'm clean for two weeks, man. And I'm sitting here going, you know what? What if I just snort a pill on Monday? No, what if I just snort a pill on the weekend, but I'm clean Monday through Friday? Saturday and Sundays, I'll get high. But Monday through Friday, you know, I'll be clean. And it was a different type of high this time because the first time I was just popping pills and snorting to fall out and nod and, and all this stupid stuff. But now I was hiding it. So I was doing it for a rush, you know? Um, trying to hide it from my wife and all that, you know, uh, the addiction got worse. The addiction got way worse. Cause now I'm snorting heroin. Now I'm in heroin because it's a lot cheaper. Um, I'm drinking every day. I I'm, I'm drinking like a goldfish because you know, why not drink pop pills, snort heroin. I mean, this is an amazing life right now. I'm just having a blast. You know, this is going on. What now let's see already from 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, five years of just being a, 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 a junkie and not doing anything with my life um you know and then september the 25th 2016 i get a uh, i reach out to my battle buddy his name's barrero um he's from puerto rico and i reached out to him because we were best friends and he had a, and just to back the story up a little bit in port gordon this guy had attempted suicide three times one time in front of me he actually wrapped a sheet around his neck and jumped over the second bal balcony and uh he lived and then he took a pair of scissors and cut himself up so deep that he had to have staples in his body. Um, so he was trying to kill himself. And we had multiple people try to commit suicide at these bases. 
And uh, this is what the doctors say. Okay, you're going to go to the 13th floor, which is a medical unit. You're in there for seven days. And then all you do is tell the doctor, I'm okay, and let you out. And so he wasn't getting help. He was just he was just as messed up as a lot of us, man. But he just wasn't getting the help that he needed, and he was looking for a way out. So in 2016 of September, I shoot him a message on Facebook, and I say, "Hey, bud, how's it been? We had talked prior to that a few months. Um, everything seemed to be okay. Um, I shot him a message in September, and uh, no response. Another day went by, no response. I shot him again, another response. Three days, I was trying to reach out to him. I was having a weird feeling trying to figure out what was going on." And uh, after about the fourth day, his daughter shoots me a message and says, hey, I'm sorry to tell you this, but my dad's not going to respond. And I said, why? He said, can you guess? And I'm like, I don't know. Is he in jail? What did he, what happened? She's like, he killed himself. I can hear the anger and the sadness in her voice. She's only right. 12 years old, dude. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, can you guess how he did it? And I'm thinking, I don't know, was it drinking? She said, no, he hung himself and I found him. And I just, dude, I was numb. I didn't even know. I didn't even know how to react, respond to that. I was just like, is this real? Is this really going on? And um, so anyways, bro, that happened. I started freaking out. I knew my life was headed towards that same destruction, bro. I was like, man, I'm, I'm thinking about suicide almost every day myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm sick of life. Why don't I just go out the same way my, my, my brother does? You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever. I'm, I'm just I'm sick of this life. Who cares? And um, going into 2017, he's the one that inspired me. So now we're already at seven, about seven years of me just running wild, uh, getting in trouble, using drugs, uh, losing my mindset, not really caring about nothing anymore, not proud of my service, just everything, dude. And uh, going into 2017, I decided I started being on Facebook a little bit, 2016, and I started reading, seeing different things. And this big number popped up, 22, 22. What is, what is 22? What, what is this 22? So I start researching. Apparently, we're losing 22 veterans a day to suicide. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, we're losing 22 veterans every day to suicide. Like this is, this is serious issue going on right now. You know, that was my first, like, right. Bam, what's going on here? Like, wow, something serious is really going on. And maybe I'm not alone. Right. And um, so that gave me the idea that I wanted to create this group on Facebook called vet life for life. And what that was supposed to mean is that you didn't have to be a veteran. You didn't have to, you know, you could be a spouse, whatever. We were like representing the veteran life. Like if, if you're part, if you're a spouse, if you're a veteran, it doesn't matter. Like vet life for life. And I wanted to create a group where veterans can go, spouses could go, a place where people could go and just have a safe place and talk about their issues, talk about what they were going through, you know, just trying to do make a difference. At the same time, I'm still killing myself, right? So I got the good heart. I still, I got the heart. I want to help, but I'm not helping myself. Right. And so that's going into 2016, 17, you know, the group's doing pretty good. I got admins, it's doing well on the phone with people trying to save lives, do my thing. And uh, finally I get to the point where I ended up ODing on some drugs and I got really, really sick, man. And I didn't know what the hell was wrong with me, but I knew I was dying. And so I went to the bathroom and I prayed to God and I was just like, God, please don't let me die. Like I wanted to live when it's funny that you want to die until you think you're dying. And then you, you pray to live. 
right? That's so right. I'm, in there, I'm dying. I'm dying. And I'm praying to God to please save me. Like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And um, he saves me. He saves me. I don't die. You think that changed me? No, it didn't. The very next day I was out there looking for drugs, even though I was telling myself, okay, I just got to slow down. I got to slow down. I can do this, but I got to slow down. But it didn't help. It didn't help. So going into 2018, I forget about that incident. I'm just living my life. I'm going, you know, I'm on drugs. I'm still running this Facebook page, you know, trying to hide from the world that I'm a drug addict, right? Like just trying to maintain, I'm a functioning drug addict basically. Um, but very depressed, very sad, very down. And uh, 2018, I decide that uh, I'm going to kill myself. This is it. I'm done. I've already destroyed my marriage. My wife is tired of me. My kids are acting crazy. They don't care about me anymore. Like, this is the feelings that I'm feeling. I'm feeling like I'm a, I'm just a loser. People don't love me. I'm, 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 I'm a fake. I'm nothing. Uh, I should just end it. So I decide to find the tree in the backyard. I go by the rope. I get the, I do everything. Like, I am planning my suicide to the T. I even plan to kill myself in the backyard in a tree. So that way there's not a mess for my wife to clean up because I just want them to come cut me out of the tree and I'm good. I don't leave her a mess. Everything's easy. Zip me up, shit me off, whatever. Like I was at that point, man. And, and it was bad, dude. And, and I'll just back up. The reason I got to that point is because I ended up being sick for three days without meds. And a buddy walked up to me and he says, hey, man, I got something that's going to make you feel better. And I said, what's that? He said, meth. Now, mind you, I've done did almost all the drugs there was, but I never did crack and I never did. I never did meth. And I always told myself, if I get to that point, then then I'm just lost. Right. I was at that point where I was snorting a line of meth. And instead of getting me high, it put me in that deep depression. I was like, I was I have never been so depressed in my life. Like I was never that brave to kill myself. And I was going to kill myself that night. It was done. But Battle Buddy calls, man. This is why I represent Battle Buddy. Because that day when I was actually planning on my suicide, my phone kept blowing up, kept blowing up, kept blowing up. And, I, and it was this one guy, one guy that knew me. He was a Battle Buddy of mine. And he kept blowing my phone up. And I finally answered after the fifth time. He says, bro, what's going on with you, man? I said, what you mean? He says, bro, I got this feeling that something ain't right. What's going on with you right now? Because I must have been posting something weird or something. I don't know. But he reached out to me. And I was, and, and I didn't want to tell him nothing, dude. I was just like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. He's like, nah, BS. He's like, listen, if you don't tell me what's wrong with you, bro, I'm going to call the cops and I'm going to have a health and welfare check on you. He's like, I want to know what's going on with you. So we're talking about it, man. I opened up my mouth. I was like, bro, I'm struggling. I'm tired of life. I'm a drug addict. And I mean, I started crying. It's just like, it all came out on my lap on this guy. And, and I, and, and instead of me feeling like a big baby, he was just, bro, it's time to grow up. It's time to get your life in check. It's time to do better. He's like, you're a veteran. You got this group. He's like, people rely on you. He's like, it's time to get your shit together. It's time for you to wake up. It, like hardcore love, man. Like, like something I needed to hear. He's like, you got a family. You got kids. He's like, you've been doing this long enough. It's time to grow up. It's time to get your head on. It's time to get your head on a swivel, man. It's time. I listened to everything he said, dude, and I don't know what it was, but it just like registered. I'm tired of this life. I'm tired of this life, man. Why am I killing myself? So I went to bed that night, dude, and I remember praying to God again, like I did that one night when I thought I was dying. 
and I was at my last rope again, and I laid there in my bed, and I prayed to God, and I said, God, please help me get off these drugs. Help me get my life back to normal. I said, because I can't live this no way, this way no more, because I'm about to eat a bullet. Like, I am just sick of it. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to hang myself. I'm tired of this life. And I just, I was just crying into myself and I was just praying. The next morning I woke up, dude, I didn't have one ounce of craving, but I walked up to my wife and something was urging me to get clean. And I walked up to her again. I said, I got a confession to make. Now, this is like a couple of years after the last rehab. And she says, what? And I said, I've been, I've been on drugs again. I've been, I've been, and I'm 10 times worse than I was before. She said, you don't think I don't know that? She says, you don't think I've been watching our money disappear? You don't think I've been watching how you're acting? You don't think I don't know these things? I'm like, well, I've been hiding it. She's like, I know. I'm like, well, I'm ready to get clean. She said, for real? I said, I'm serious now. I'm not doing it for you. I'm not doing it for the kids. I'm not doing it for my friends. I'm doing it for myself. I'm getting clean for myself this time. Like, I'm ready to do it. And she said, okay, well, what we got to do, I said, call, call a detox center. Call a detox center. Get me in there, and I will go. So she started calling around Florence in her hometown. She found one and they said, the only one we found, they needed $600 to get me in. So now instead of paying money to get high, I'm paying money to get clean. I dropped the $600, barely even have it. I don't know. It's part of my rent money or something. I don't know. But we come up with $600. I go to detox in treatment, inpatient treatment for seven days. I do the whole seven days detox treatment center. I come out and I have to go to a, 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 an intensive, they call it IOP intensive outpatient treatment center and i went there for seven months straight four hours a four hours four days a week three hours a time a day so it was three hours monday tuesday wednesday and thursday and it was four days a week so you're putting in a bunch of time dedication to the core and i did it bro i did it i did it the whole seven months and and ever since i did that i haven't had a drink a pill i've been clean now almost four years I've been clean now, clean and sober for almost four years. That's fantastic. You know, that's my recovery story. Like that. It it was, I'm telling each and every one of y'all, I have listened to this man talk without him knowing I listened to this man off of TikTok. I mean, I have never seen more people in my lifetime that has come onto your TikTok page and say how you saved their lives. Uh, right every mother uh, the mom it was about i'd say about a month ago this mom's like look i know that my son is about to get out and so this is where we're going to get into to me is the most important veterans mindset 2.0 that's the book you you wrote and anybody i highly recommend this book if you know anybody struggling if you know anybody that needs a book about PTSD, it doesn't matter if you're in the military or not in the military. I recommend this book. I totally recommend it. And I, I what would you say now? Almost four or five times a week, I, I listen to what I get on there and I listen. I watch people. Yep. Monday through Friday, I'm on there. Yes. Um, so, um, go ahead. Okay, so what I was going to do is, man, we're going to talk about the book now, but I wanted to just just reiterate what happened, right? So 
this is how great God is. And this is how I inspire people. And this is why I tell people that are listening, like, if you just change your life, if you do what you got to do, your life will change. There's no doubt about it. And from 2018, when I decided to finally get clean and sober, I started telling my story on Facebook. I started, I just started going live. I just started telling people, hey, man, if you want to get clean, you can do it. I was riled up, man. I was proud of myself. You know, I've been clean for a month, two months, three months, seven months. And I was just like, hey, man, y'all can do it. I can do it. You can do it. And I did that. And the amount of people that were responding was unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's like, oh, my God, I'm so proud of you. Do you want to go speak here? Do you want to speak? I've never thought about standing in front of nobody talking. Are you crazy? I got invited to Washington, D.C., and I stood in Washington, D.C. in 2018 and front of, stood in front of 600 people standing on stage talking. I, I went to, to North Carolina talking. I went to Ohio talking. Like, I have been invited to so many places telling my story and inspiring people since then. It's unbelievable. And so going into this book, what I did was, with my group growing, with the fact that I was reaching out to so many people on social media, I said, you know what? We're raising awareness. That's what we're doing. We're raising awareness for veteran suicide, mental health, and addiction. Those are the three things that I focus on. But we need a solution, right? We need a solution. We need to find a way to really help these people. We can't just talk about it. We got to be about it. And so I, I, I said, I need to write a book. And not a biography, not a, not a life story book, but a book that can help people with their mindset, help people get to the next level from struggling. So that's when I came up with Veteran Mindset 2.0. It took me literally about a year to write this book. And everything that I did in this book was basically, you know, started with five fundamentals on how to upgrade your mindset to the next level. And as I was writing it, I knew that it wasn't just for veterans. Like if you were a spouse, if you're a man that's been through trauma, if you're a woman that's been through trauma, if you're a kid, if you're a, if you're a grandparent, if you're a veteran, active duty, non-active duty, whatever, this book was written because it was coming from somebody that was not only struggling with PTSD and, and trauma as the military man, but it also came with the 10 years of my life outside of the military. So I was able to relate to a lot of civilians in this book. So I wrote the book. It's been phenomenal. It's been absolutely amazing. I ran over. I got in some trouble on Facebook. I lost my entire account. So I jumped <laughs> over on TikTok and uh, I exploded on TikTok. I exploded on TikTok. I was doing the same thing over there. I was just trying to inspire people, trying to motivate people. And people were just leeching onto me. So then I started going live. The same thing that you see that you jump on every night. I go live and I inspire people. I talk about my story. The same thing y'all heard tonight, but a lot shorter. And I, and I, just give them, you know, let them know. I've struggled with drugs. I struggle with alcohol. I struggle with PTSD and depression. And the reason why I'm able to be the person I am today is because I don't allow my diagnosis. Well, because I don't have that shirt on tonight, but that diagnosis does not define who I am. I, I don't, I don't teach people how to get over their mental health, their, their PTSD. I teach you how to live with it because my goal is not to teach you to get over it. You got to learn to live with it. And so I started teaching people that, man. And then we wrote another book called From No Worth to Self-Worth. And we were authors on there. And there I am right there. When the heck um, did you do that? This was a couple months after this one. Okay. Yep. So this, this From No Worth to Self-Worth. And uh, the beard was a lot longer than that one. But uh, <laughs> uh, 
so started writing books, started traveling. Then I decided, you know what? I want to, I, I really want to get my voice out. I really, that's the most important thing. I don't care about the videos. I don't care about people seeing me. I want people to hear me. So I decided to write, to open a podcast. I said, I'm going to do a podcast. And I named it from struts from, oh my goodness. I named it um, from struggles to success, from struggles to success, because I wanted kind of what you're doing with veterans in the Gulf War and, and, and our story. I took it and started interviewing people and also solo episodes about my story and different things that I've learned. But I started taking people that struggle with, with their story, the things they've been through, and then how did they get to their success? Kind of like I just did with you. And so I hear their stories. I give them a platform and we talk about their story. So now I'm running TikTok. I'm running books. I'm doing <laughs> podcasts. I'm traveling, speaking on stages, all this because I decided to change my life and become a better person and become a better father and a better husband and start living my life with purpose again. And the one thing I want to say to your, to your followers is that don't never feel like you can't have more than one purpose. That was my problem. When I lost the military, when I lost the army, I told myself I didn't have purpose anymore. I had no reason to live. There was no more purpose in my life and I've already lost my purpose. So how can I continue to move forward? But once I started getting my head right and I started getting cleared and I started started really trying to be better, I found purpose again. And that was to help other people and to inspire and motivate other people. And so that's the basic story, brother. That's, I, I, that's how I got from that to this. Right. I mean, I, when I, the first time I found you, I'd probably say, I don't know, I think I sent, shot you a message about six months ago. Yeah. And every night I get on there, I wouldn't say anything. I just listened, but I started watching how people interact with you and how you interacted with them. And I would probably, I think I took a notepad one night. I'd probably say at least 10 people that one night said, you totally changed their lives. One guy said, if it wasn't for you, he would have committed suicide. And that's why I think it doesn't matter if you're at, from Afghanistan era, Iraqi era, Gulf War era, Desert Storm area, or Vietnam era, you hit something that's that one of my customers told me when I was cutting his hair. When I got out of the Navy, and I, I you know, I thought I would never say this, but when I got out of the military, going through a divorce, but also I was junior sailor of the year Westpac. So I worked my butt off. I, I had yeah. a great Navy career. When I got home, I was nothing. I went yeah. through a war. I've been in conflicts. I mean, the volcano in the Philippines. My mom looked at me, and I, I mean, I've said this before, and she goes, you need to get your F and butt over there and get counseling. And yeah. that's what the VA offers counseling. I think they're getting better at it, but there needs to be a better solution. And I think a solution is how me or you are doing it tonight. Veterans Absolutely. talking to veterans, telling their stories, get, getting it out there. To me, that's better than going to a psychiatrist. That, that's just my opinion. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, tell you a quick story, really short. We went and did this uh, three-day uh, equine therapy. Have you ever heard of equine mm -mm. therapy? With, okay, so equine therapy is where we help soldiers or veterans with PTSD by using horses. And uh, it's an amazing uh, a thing. It actually, it actually really good. 
Um, it just helps us when you have PTSD, man. A lot of times it's just about learning to, to trust yourself again and trust others and, and just loving yourself, right? There's a lot of things that come with it. Horses don't trust strangers. Horses are very, they're the most human, like human, like emotions that like they have, their emotions are so close to like ours. It's, it's insane. And they can, they can feel your tension and everything. So the trick is you have to learn to calm yourself and, you know, be around a horse and get the horse to trust you. And it's just really, really good. It's called equine therapy. Well, we were there for three days with some hardcore guys, airborne rangers, paratroopers, uh, SF, like some tough guys. We were there for three days and we would have little group sessions where all of us veterans were sitting together and just talk, talk about our story, talk about different things. Well, one of the guys there was an airborne ranger. He didn't say much. He said a little bit through the weekend, but he didn't say a whole lot. By the end of the day on Sunday, he stood up and he started crying. He had tears running down his eyes. And he said, I got to say this to you guys really quick. And we were like, what's up, Sergeant? He is like, I've been going to the VA now for damn near seven years. He said, and, I, and they've asked me multiple times what my story was. And I don't tell anybody my story. He's like, but being here tonight, being here this weekend with my fellow brothers and sisters, he's like, this is the best feeling I've ever had in my life. And he says, this is the answer. He says, you need veterans to talk to other veterans. And that's how they get through this shit is how we said it. And he was crying. He was so passionate. And it, it was just so moving to see this hardcore guy stand up and say, you know what? This is what we need. Veterans helping veterans. And that's exactly like what you just said. That's what we need. And that's why I do it. That's why you do it. And he proved that the stigma that's out here is disgusting. How a man can't have emotions. If you're a veteran, you can't have emotions. If you're, if you're a paratrooper, if you're SF, if you're a ranger, you can't have emotions. You got to be Mr. Tough Guy, right? It's like, no, you're a tough guy by opening up emotions. You're a tough guy by, by stepping out and saying, hey, you know, I, I struggle. That's what makes you a tough guy by being able to admit that. And so that's what I also teach. But that's, 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 yeah, it was just yeah. amazing to see him open up and veterans helping veterans. Right. And one of the guys on here uh, asked, what is your TikTok name? So go ahead and tell me. I, I'm going to tell him. Hell, I'll tell him. <laughs> it's Sir yeah. Veteran Guy. <laughs> it's more like yeah. Sir Underline Score Veteran Guy. And I mean, I recommend any of y'all who have TikTok. Most people in their fifties don't have TikTok. I have it because I thought it was funny. But well, it, it'll get bigger. I mean, it, it started off young and then it just gradually going. So there's kind of like that Facebook, sixties and seventies <laughs> that are on. You know, it's just another app. It's not a kids app anymore. It's it's now it's just an app. Right. Exactly. But I, I mean, I, I'm telling you, Sean. I, I first time, second time, third time, fourth time. I said, "That's it." I started emailing you, man. You need to come on. You need to talk to to, to <laughs> it the guy. Took me a minute to catch it, but when I did, yeah, I, I was, we, we <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You called me and everything, and that's how we got connected. This is actually, guys, our first time to actually see mm -hmm. each other. We've interacted on the telephone, text messages, talk, TikTok, but this is our first time to actually see each other. And yes, I feel old, but hey, you know it is what it is. But you know, I have a good support group. I have my family. And also, I mean, even the guys that I talked to on here, 
I still talk to him, John, Alon, and you, you know, everybody, Jay. I mean, I talk to most of the guys, Greg, that I've talked to, and I'm going to stay in touch with all them guys Good. because we still need each other. Right. And, and Desert Storm veterans are having a hard time right now getting the VA. You know, of course, we all have presumptives, but they don't right. approve it and everything. That's why I recommend going to a Christian counselor. If yeah. I mean, it's okay to go to the VA. It's somebody to talk to. It's okay to talk to fellow vets. But to me, you, you got to have God. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I agree with that, man. Uh, I tell people I'm more of a spiritual Christian because I, I, I'm into some other things that people aren't into. But um, I just, I'm very spiritual, man. I just, I have a very broad, you know, um, but I tell people, I, I, I definitely give credit to God and Jesus. I do believe in the Bible, but I'm very spiritual. Yeah. I, uh, I, it's just, I don't know. I guess that's just the way my personality is. And I'm very open like that, but, um, it's very, I would say it's very important to have a higher up, have a higher being. Like you gotta have, um, you gotta pray. You gotta have faith in something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what the hell's, what's the hell's the point of living this whole life? And then there's nothing great at the end of it. Like, man, I just can't see that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Me but. neither. As a matter of fact, you know, that that's like uh, a lot of people don't realize. I think I became more spiritual as you get older. Yeah. And but when I went in, I, I was still spiritual, mm -hmm. but I didn't grasp it until I got out and I went to counseling. Then I really became spiritual. What? Um, man, but. I love what you do too, man. I, I really do. And that's why I was so honored to come on because, you know, we need to help each other. But I was going to say this, dude. I was going to say this. I think the problem with the Gulf War, and this is just my opinion, I don't hear much about it anymore. And it's and, and I don't think people talk about it enough. I don't think the VA takes them serious. I don't think people think that y'all really did see a lot or hear or, or, or breathe in a lot of stuff. Like, I didn't know what you guys had until you told me. I knew my mother-in-law was an MP during desert storm and she says she breathed in the toxins and there was the oil fields burning and all that stuff was in y'all system but it's just not talked about enough so saying that it's amazing what you're doing because you've well, got you. to be a voice for those that don't have a voice and so that's what you are those guys have got to know there's somebody out here for the gulf war man every war matters every war matters it does you know and, and what you do and, and I promise you, I ain't stopping. There That's one thing about it. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm not as mad as I was when I first started this podcast because a lot of the guys were all going through the same thing. Hell, I talked to a guy from Britain. Hell, they get treated worse than what, what we do. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, damn. But There's I, always another perspective, somebody that goes right. through more than we do, yeah. As long as my voice still works and as, and God gave me a loud voice, I'm going to use it. And that's, and that's good, how that's I, that's how I look at it. But I want to tell that, everybody. That's, that's how it should be. And that's how most of us are. Right. Well, we're coming to the end of the program, but I want everybody to know you can, the podcast is uh, from struggles to success on Apple podcast. And then your book to me is very important. Veterans Mindset 2.0, or Warriors Think Differently on Amazon. That's right. Y'all go look at it, order it, s support. I mean, and he travels, and I know you're coming in March, you're coming to Texas, correct? 
That's right. We're coming to uh, one awesome. thing I didn't talk about. We do a 22K for 22 every year. Um, we ended up turning the Facebook group Bet Life for Life into an right. actual nonprofit now. And so I'm also a nonprofit owner. And so for three years, we hold a 22K for 22. And if people don't know what that is, that's like a ruck march that we raise awareness for 22. And so I got some friends in Texas that want to do it down there now. So in March the 12th, we're going to be in Brushy Creek, Texas. Um, and we're going to be walking and raising awareness for veteran suicide then too. For how many days? Is it one day? Or? Uh, it's just going to be one day. I'll be there for five days. Well, you know what? I'll meet you out there. I'm not far away. Oh, I'm a couple awesome. hours. That that would be awesome. I would love to meet up with you, man. That, yeah. That yeah. would be great. We're going to plan on it. We're going to get together. We're going to talk and everything. But, Sean, thank you so much for coming on to the program. And everybody, go check out his podcast. It's awesome. The, thank the you. Love, I appreciate it, man. They'll love what um, you, you have to say. And I will be going live on TikTok uh, tonight. So if they guys want to, if anybody's new that sees, uh, that's, that's been hearing this, if y'all want to follow me on TikTok, that'd be great. I'll be on there tonight and doing basically what y'all saw tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, you're helping others. That, that, um, that's the key. Um, yeah. I've had fun, man. I, I've enjoyed it being on this side of the table. It's, yeah, it's, it's different, ain't it? <laughs> Yeah, I was more used to this side. Then it was weird being on this side. Now I'm on this side. So it was it was just great, man. It's it's great either way. And uh, man, I'm just thank thankful for you for letting me get my message out there. And hey, I thank you, rise, I, man. I thank you. You you changed a lot in my life listening to you. It, it, you it is an honor. Well, I'm glad to be here. And so veterans helping veterans, man. That's right. <laughs> and I will see you tonight on TikTok. Yes, sir. Yes, All sir. right, man. You have a great night. All right. All right. Bye. Y'all, please go to my website at goforsideeffects.wordpress.com or email me at kevinsimon at goforsideeffects.com. And please help support this podcast and the veterans by clicking on the link below. Thank you for your support.